you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. A Dear Media original podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way, because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And you know what? Today, we are running back the tape. We're running it back, not that we're going to replay another episode, but we are re-recording. I am re-talking about something that was one of the first episodes I recorded. So if you want to double dip your chip, you can totally go back, dip it twice. There's no judgment here for a double dip chip, but we're talking about orange wine, skin contact wine. Recently, it has cropped up in the universe of people wanting to know more about it the excitement around it. I think there's more brands like Fallen Grape that are cropping up and it's opening the access of like, what is orange wine? And people want to know and they want to understand it. So I thought, you know what? I think we need an orange wine 101 again, because it's honestly like one of the original gangsters in wine and people think it's this new product. So I want to arm you with a little bit of information, a little bit of history. And it's quite phenomenal that this style of wine continues to be on the rise. I mean, what's crazy about wine is that certain styles of wine have risen and fallen throughout time. There was so much trend-driven drinking, especially in the 1800s in England. Like, So it'll be really interesting to me, you know, this is now a time when orange wine is very chic and it'll be crazy if in like 20 years that goes away or it'll never go away. I don't know. This whole thing about the current state of everything, it feels like more is more, right? And I don't know, at least that's how I feel. So I'm trying to be like, less is less is more, not less is less. Less is sometimes less though. Like if you're not getting paid right, that is less is less. But in terms of my life, my house, less is more, right? Quality over quantity. That's my whole thing. Let's talk about orange wine. Okay, so let's start by saying, what is orange wine? Okay, first of all, it can be called a few different things. Orange wine, I like to say, is like the street name. 
It's sort of the zeit, like in the zeitgeist. That's how everyone refers to it. And it really is only called that and was coined that because of the actual color of the wine. Has nothing to do with oranges. It's a hue marker, kind of like rosé. It is skin macerated is another name. So it's explaining what it is in the name. So orange wine, skin macerated. It could also be called skin contact white wine. And then lastly, some people call it amber wine. So those are going to be like the most common monikers. There's some people who like are like orange wine is not the proper way to say it. So a wine list will say skin contact or skin contact white wine. Some people don't like the word contact. They want to go quite literal with macerated. So you know what? Whatever floats your boat. You want to call it orange wine? Knock yourself out. Because it's not like we take rosé and we're like, it's a light contact of red wine skins. Like, I mean, maybe we're going to start that trend. Anyway, so that is the names. How orange wine is made is I like to think of it this way. It's like you're trying to make a red wine, but you're using white wine grapes. So when you make red wine, the color, texture, the whole vibe of the wine is because the juice and the skin spend time hanging out together. They spend more than a day. They spend days, weeks, sometimes months. And for a orange wine, that same process is happening. So you're taking the skins and you're taking the white wine juice, which it comes from white wine grapes, which classically would make a white wine. And you're extending the maceration between those skins and that juice. Now, an orange wine has longer, short contact with the skins. It could be five days and still be an orange wine, or it could be like three months, 90 days or 60 days. But white wine has no contact with the skins. You know, it's like a direct press. Sometimes there's like a few hours of some maceration, but classically white wine is just juice out the skins. Those skins are left behind. That's how you make it. So what's really cool about that is every single white wine grape could hypothetically be made into an orange wine. There is not one category of grape that is made into orange wine over another. I think there are some grapes that lend themselves to this style of wine more than others. And there's grapes that express really interestingly. Like personally, I don't love a Gewürztraminer when it's a white wine, but I love a Gewürztraminer when it's an orange wine. And I think part of it is because the extraction between the skins and the juice, you get the notes of floral characters that Gewürztraminer can have, but the extended skin contact is lending more tannins to the texture of the wine. So the wines drink drier. I mean, the coolest thing about how orange wine, you know, kind of came to be in the universe, which we're going to talk about, is the fact that having this extended period of contact between the skins of the juice is actually a preservation movement. You know, that's sort of why it all began. You know, that is partly why red wine lasts longer. Orange wine, you know, jury's still out. And how long does orange wine last? You want to age it. But when you extend skin contact with skins and juice, it allows you to tinker with a wine less. And I'm not into tinkered with wine, but, you know, it creates for more stability. It acts as a preservation. But the history of orange wine, pretty crazy because it's not new. It was first, you know, assumed to have 
come to be thousands and thousands of years ago in what is now the country of Georgia. And it was put into effect, as I was just saying, because maceration offers protection for the wine and longevity. So as you're fermenting, if the juice is on the skins, that's going to offer protection, especially when thousands of years ago, there was no chemical intervention. And we like to stay away from chemical intervention now, but also sometimes there wasn't temperature control. And like temperature is a big part of the winemaking process in the cellar, which is why the first sort of traces of orange wine trace back to nowadays Georgia, where they were burying quevery, which are like these clay vessels in the ground to keep the temperature cool. And that is where the skins and the juice of white wine grapes were interacting and hanging out. And now in Georgia, there is no white wine. White wine is orange wine. There is no category of orange wine. And like sometimes it's called amber wine, but that it doesn't exist there. I mean, I'm sure somewhere in the country of Georgia, there's like a classic white wine, like what we know in our glass, but the tradition of winemaking in that country and the culture around drinking wine roots it in the fact that orange wine is just the norm. So all of their white wine has more of a texture of a red wine. Close your eyes with your friends. Do a blind tasting. Like if you drink an orange wine, even cold, even not cold, like drink at the same temperature as a red, a lot of people can't tell that it's an orange wine because it has that texture and the tannins. Sometimes if there's floral notes or tropical notes, it is kind of a dead giveaway because red wine grapes don't always produce that kind of vibe. Like if you take Sauvignon Blanc and Vermentino and you extend the skin contact, turn those grapes into an orange wine instead of a white, sometimes it can really boast and goad out some of those tropical notes that are just so, so, so delicious. What's crazy about orange wine is it was insanely popular in Italy all the way up until the 1950s. In fact, some of the most famous orange wines and some of the best in the world still are made in Italy. There's a huge tradition of making orange wine in Italy, not only because there's like not regions that border Georgia, but in some of the northern areas, probably some of that influence spilled over, but parts of the east and west coast, long traditions of making orange wine. But it fell out of fashion after the 1950s. And people thought, that it was incorrect, that orange wine was was flawed, that it was not what a quote unquote white wine should be. And I think that's so interesting because so much of the 1900s, any swings of pendulum in winemaking trends have oftentimes been about properness, correctness, and, and I think there's an overcorrection into something way more traditional. And maybe that's what we're seeing a reaction to is why orange wine continues to be on the rise. It is not slowing down. I remember, you know, my first experience with orange wine was actually wine from Slovenia. Um, and I tasted it and it was back in the day at Animal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never had a wine like this. This is so cool. You know, started learning about how it was made with the extended skin contact. And I remember back in those times, there were not like cool, trendy orange wines. The only ones that you would try would be ones from Slovenia, the country of Georgia, or some really high-end Italian 
skin macerated wines. And they were n- the orange wine wasn't even talked about. It was like, these are skin macerated or extended skin contact. And I added one from a producer named Kabai to the wine list by the glass at Animal. It was like a hand sell for sure, because the way I wrote it, I put it in the white wine section. But then at the end, in parentheses, I had a thing that was like extra. I think I did extended skin contact. And, you know, people didn't know what that was. You know, now you go to John and Vinny's, we put it on the menu as like orange wine, just because it's the access point is so much easier. The barrier for people to understand what it is is immediate. Like there is no barrier. Sorry, non barrier. But I remember Michael Voltaggio, you know, bad boy chef, one top chef, if you follow that kind of shit. He came in. He's a friend, friend of the restaurant. And he he would always just be like, pour me something you're super into. And I poured him this orange wine from Kabai, first producer I had bought and supported. And he was just like turned upside down. And it was such a cool moment for me because I was like, wine is so transportive. We can change things and change how you eat food through this avenue of wine. And I think for me, orange wine has always been one of those. It's not the conventional path. And it's not something that is trying to rail against like convention and your grandma's Chardonnay. Like, I also don't think it should be seen in that regard either, because I my mom loves orange wine, you know, because I've put it in the right context for her. And it usually has been surrounded by food. It's just a funny little tidbit about my first experiences with orange wine. But you know what? Like, I had a ton of pushback over the years. Now it's like people can't get enough of it. But again, I think it's this persistence. Like if you really believe in the quality of something, I was talking to someone earlier today about like, how did you build Helen's? Like people think it's that whole like trite saying of like Rome was, was, wasn't built in the day, but like people assume it. What you know, like these mighty things, not that Helen's is so mighty, but it takes so much effort and persistence and like overcoming the self-doubt to actually have something work, especially when you're coming at it as a woman and targeting other women. And what you really also need is to capture the audience of men. It's always hard. But let me just tell you this. The first adopters of orange wine in the last eight years have been women. That's my, from surveying my customers, they got on the bandwagon first. This is not a gender wars thing. I just think women do have really tuned in palates. We, a lot of us have like crazy palates and it's hormonal. Like as your hormones shift week to week, your palate can change. Anyway, one thing I wanted to talk about for orange wine is that orange wine should not be called funky. Okay. Funky is this insanely overused word. And I think people sometimes use the word funky when they're comparing it to something that's like a mainstream standard. So if it's the average glass of Sauvignon Blanc and then you put an orange wine next to it, some people are like, you know, I like funky. And that's their way of expressing, I like something that's not conventional. When actually the best orange wines should not be considered funky. I don't think the flavor is funky. To me, when I drink wine and I'm like, ooh, that's funky, that's not necessarily a good thing. To me, funky is like there's something actually wrong in the makeup of the wine and it's not integrating correctly and it's not jamming out in a way that works. So in my opinion, it is so important 
to really develop your cat, like your language around wine, because I think that's something that people fall back on. You have to push your own personal vocabulary around what you like in your style. And I think a lot of people do fall back on saying, I like funky, but you know, in a good way. And that can mean so many different things to so many people. So I feel like there is a lot we can do. Sometimes words that I like to use to describe like an orange wine or if someone says funkies, one path I take with them is I'm like, okay, so are you looking for something that has like an out of control feeling or a rustic component to it? Some people also think it has to be cloudy or like it, if it doesn't have chunks in it, then it's not a quote unquote real orange wine. All of these things are not true. And they, it's 100% an orange wine if it's made in the way that it should be. What, what's so cool and one reason why I think people have latched on to orange wine is because usually, I would say, most of the time, the grapes that go into it and the winemaking process is inherently natural really kind of would be an oxymoron to have like a mass produced or mass manipulated orange wine. The reason is, is like you would want, I'm not saying there aren't any out there. I'm sure there are. But the reason is, is because first of all, think about it. Like you would only want organic grapes grown really, really well to be the grapes that are macerating the skins and juice that will then ferment and turn into wine. There's so much contact there. So if you get grapes that have been relentlessly sprayed with chemicals, like why would you want to then have those grapes? You know, they're not like hand washing each grape with a tiny little cute sponge, which would be like so adorable and so insane. And don't do that. And it's not real. That was like a weird caveat fantasy, but of like a reality I don't even want. So when you think about that, you think about the fact that like, okay, the grapes got to be made well. They got to be in this good, juicy, jemmy form. And then when you take it into the cellar, the whole principle of skin contact is that you're using the skins as they're macerating the juice to help as a preservation factor in wine. And there isn't much that you should have to do to alter it. We have a friend of ours. They have wavy wines. They are making an orange wine for us. And we were having a conversation this morning. They're making one for us to pour at the restaurants. It's really cool. I can't wait for it to be released. It's a limited drop. And we were talking about, should we add sulfur to it or not? And it was an interesting conversation. And ultimately, we're not adding any sulfur. But it's, you know, down to one of those things of stability, longevity, and the skin contact that the wine has, has enough. Like it doesn't need anything else to be a preservative within it. Orange wine is just like dope on a rope. It's so good. It's so delicious. I think in its most perfect form, it has the right tannic energy coupled with good minerality, a little acidity, and then some sort of fruit like essence, you know, and it's not going to be sweet and it could be tropical. It could be apple-y. It could be pear, you know. It, it sometimes also it can express in like a tea quality, like a white tea, which honestly is so cool. It's so cool. But look, orange wine has such a rich history that's been eclipsed by trends. And one trend that I just want to tease that we need to do a whole episode on because I think it's sort of maybe going to be the wine of the summer. No, <laughs> it's a category called Ramato. And a Ramato is an enigma in some ways. Not really, but it's not really an orange wine. It's not really a rosé. It's not really a white wine. 
It's this in-between category for certain sort of white wine grapes, but they kind of are half red wine grapes. We're going to get deep, but Ramato, not an orange wine, not a rosé, not a red. What is it? We're going to go deep on Ramato. Listen, you heard it here on Wine Face First. It might be the summer of Ramato. Like, just try saying it. We're rolling it off tongue. My tips for drinking skin contact orange wine, it should be cold, but you can let it come up to room temp. Doesn't have to be freezing cold. And I think any glass works. There are price ranges for orange wines, but most people are buying in the more casual level. So I would say give it like a nice wine glass, but it doesn't necessarily need to breathe or open up the same way a red wine would. And I do think that it's food friendly. It's some of the most food friendly wine, even pizza, even things that you would never think of. But it's specifically so delicious with things that have a lot of umami, essences of the ocean, or really just like hearty, sort of perfectly cooked at home meals. It is chef's kiss. Love so much. Well, I hope that I did orange wine justice by bringing you sort of a refresher 411, my thoughts on it, a history of sort of a teaser to get you a little more excited um, and get out there to drink more orange wine if you haven't or go try one. It's kind of a wild ride, but I think you're going to like it. Get grandma and grandpa on that orange wine train. Choo-choo! You can always go to helenswines.com and search orange wine and you can see a full listing of what we have. You can add to cart and we ship nationwide, but also you can follow along on Instagram if you're curious about which orange wines I'm drinking, when and where and how and with who at Helen's Wines. But this was Wine Face Orange Wine Exploration. Thanks for listening. Bye.